Hey guys, welcome to our Coffee with Valentine today. Um, sorry, it's been a while since I uh, had posted one of these. I know it's been about a month or so, so we're back. I'm going to try to be more more consistent with this. It's just seen kind of the, you know, the season of life and ministry has been kind of crazy. So I just wanted to uh, get back on here and, and, uh, and start these up again. And uh, I wanted to talk about something that's been stirring in my heart for about the last month or so. Because um, there's this theme of offense that's kind of come into the conversation, uh, come in conversations quite a bit recently. And the, you know, the taking opportunities to be offensive, uh, and basically like the, the point of today is basically how do we not be offendable, or at least easily offendable? Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about, or, or not really talked about, but you know, we've heard, you've heard the phrase, you know, someone's being a Karen, right? Or the male equivalent of being a Richard. Uh, so we, we know people that uh, attune uh, a characterization of someone who is being easily offendable. You know, let me talk, let me speak to your manager and someone who's you know because they mess something up or like you know the, you, you know those people the, who comment on on Yelp and, and you know about the smallest inco you know, the inconveniences or like the person didn't you know immediately serve us our drinks or whatever it took it it took way too long to get my food blah, 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 and when it was there it was cold it was wrong blah, blah, blah. like there's so many people that like. Yeah, their experiences have to be like perfect they're super easily offendable um or yeah like even posted the other day on 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 social media on my facebook page um you know the what is what are the most uh unchristian you know, unchristlike and unfunny non-funny place it is the comment sections on christian meme pages and it's so crazy like you look at this really funny picture you know you know sometimes i like the picture sometimes i don't right you know but like the, then you go down to the comment pic, you know comment section like everyone's arguing and everyone's like you know oh actually the theologically blah, blah, blah. i'm like shut up just enjoy the picture move on <laughs> or if you disagree with the picture move on like you don't have to be offendable at every single thing um, even though, you know, now it seems like, you know, Facebook has come out and actually said that they, you know, admitted that they create toxic cultures on social media because it's better to keep people engaged on social media by creating culture, you know, environments of drama. Um, so it's really interesting about, you know, it, so if, you, if you're easily offendable, you are probably addicted more to social media. Um, just like, oh, give me more, give me more, you know. Um, I think about how do we not be a Karen? How do we not be a Richard? How do we not be a person who is easily offendable? Um, you know, be, like when we're when we're passed over, when when we feel like we've been left out, because um, there's there's there there are real real situations where where we can feel like, you know, we struggle with with feelings of abandonment, right? You know, we, we've been left out before in our in our past, like when we were kids, like or a teenager in college. I mean, I remember very vividly this, you know, this time because I had a Disneyland pass. Um, would always go and like, I you know, always told my group of friends that I would love to go, you know, if they ever wanted to go, you know, you know just let me know. Um, and, like trying to invite people together and put groups together to go to Disneyland and, and everything. And so, and then yeah, I saw you know, like people will say, oh no, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be able to go this weekend cause blah, 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 blah. We're gonna stay, we're just gonna probably stay, you know, stay home and you know, stay back at, at the school. and. And then I saw on their Facebook page that they had gone to Disneyland and, you know, without me, without inviting. So it was like, we, we, we sometimes struggle with those feelings of abandonment, right? It's just, it's a human nature thing. We want to be included. We want to feel wanted. And when we don't, we, we have those feelings of, of being left out, of, of being 
unwanted, uh, right? Um, yeah, and th and that can vary in, in in on the on the scale from not very offended to really offended to from eh, like whatever it's cool it's whatever they want to spend time alone whatever or doing this to oh my gosh everyone hates me, right? Yeah, somewhere on the spectrum, and so there there's elements in our lives where we have opportunity to be offended. We have these, these opportunities every day. We have these opportunities, you know, oh, maybe not every day, but like, you know, often, right? We have opportunities to where we can rise up this emotion to take on this, I must be offended. And it's almost like you have this feeling when you, when you know, of just self-justification, like I should feel offended. I feel offended, therefore I will hold this against this person or I will be bitter, I will be angry, I will rise up and ask for the manager. Like there's this like self-vindication, self-justification that goes into being offended. Um, that feels good because it, it's again turning the attention back into ourselves and kind of nasal gazing, nasal gazing a little bit. Um, but it's, you know, just the, looking at different passages in scripture, um, and I'm just going to process through this like I would be if I was going to try to prepare a sermon, right? I'm just kind of go through diff through different, uh, through different passages of scripture, right? You know, like looking in Proverbs, of course, you want to go to Proverbs. We all, we all remember that passage or maybe you don't, um, basically like hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses, um, or, you know, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. Uh, a person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Um, and so, even, even through all you know, the, the passages of, of, of offending, you know, the, the, the great, you know, the wisest man, you know, Solomon, um, talks about, it is, it is to your good, is to your benefit, is to your virtue, right? To overlook an, an offense, um, and what love covers all offenses. So, um, how do we not become easily offendable? We need to fill ourselves up with great amounts of love, great amount, great amounts of affection. That to look beyond the offense, to look beyond the perceived offense or the opportunity to rise up and be offended and to focus in on, our, on the self and to look at the others and desire to love and to bless and to serve others. And because when we have our heart geared toward that, then we don't become offendable because we're not thinking about ourselves and how it affects me. I'm thinking, how can I, offend that? How can I bless that person? How can I you know, not feel left out, how can I make much of other people, not myself? How can I consider others more important than myself and their feelings over my own? Um, and so if we, and if we all think this way in the church, then there will be little amounts of offense because everyone's already always going to be thinking about everyone else, which is the whole purpose, right? Philippians 2, you know, um, to consider others more important than yourself. Um, you know, having others and their and others flourishing as as a pinpoint of your of your um, as the focal point of your attention when you have this relationship with others. Right? Um, I'm reminded of um, I was reminded of something and then just left my brain. <laughs> um, 
just how you know, when we're when we are when we're unoffendable um sometimes we can also you know I, I think maybe the fear of not being offendable or not of, of not rising up is is almost that that uh the, that thought that assumption that if we are not offendable if we don't rise up against injustice then um then something um might go under the radar some something someone will not get justice someone will not understand that they that they offended someone and you know by sinning against them so that's a, i think that's a that's a that's a fair point let's talk about that a little bit um when when you are sinned against it's not that you don't rise up and reproach the person and rebuke the person for the sin that was done against you there still needs to be justice that is done. That is, that is you know, reconciliation. That is, when I, when I say justice, what I'm, okay, let me, let me elaborate what I mean by justice. Um, injustice is first caused. Justice doesn't, does not occur in a vacuum. Like there is no such thing as justice in the perfected kingdom of God. Because there is no such thing as injustice, therefore there is no need for justice, which brings things back. So what I mean by justice is bringing life, you know, bringing that which was broken back to shalom, back to flourishing, back to God's original intent for us and for human flourishing, for human interaction, for um, creation you know, itself to interact with, it, with, with one another. And so injustice is a breakdown in God's shalom. And so justice is a restoration back to shalom. That's what I mean. That, that in there, in there is no need for justice in the perfected kingdom of God because there will, no, there will be no injustice. There will be no breakdown of that shalom. And therefore, there will not be a need for the restoration of shalom because it will all already have happened. Um, and so... In our, in our, but in our life today, there, like, so justice is a rest, is a resolution, is a reconciliation, is a building back up that which was broken, that relational dynamic that was broken because of an offense, uh, or because, I'm sorry, because of, because of a sin, right? Because even, Jesus even talks about, <coughs> later on in Matthew and Luke, he says, woe to the world because of what offenses, um, the offenses will surely come. You know, for offenses will inevitably, inevitably come, but woe to that person by whom the offense comes. Now, the context of Matthew and Luke here is, is basically the, when it talks about offense in this passage, it's talking about basically that which will shipwreck someone's faith. So, and that, because the, the immediate context right after this in, in Luke chapter 17 is, you know, be on your guard, you know, or that it would be better for. Um, you know, woe to the the one who, who for whom these offenses come. Right? It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the into the sea, uh, than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, I could preach. This is not talking about children, and some heinous crimes that are done against children, even though those are horrendous and, and awful. What he's talking about is little ones, as in, you know, look behind me. These are my disciples, my little ones, my disciples. If you cause one of my little ones, one of my disciples, to renounce their faith, to walk away from following me, that's what I mean. That that stumbling, that stumbling block. It's it's that stumbling block and offense are the kind of that same deal <clears throat> in this context in the Greek. 
So woe to the person who who causes one of these early one of these new new disciples to fall away from the faith, to stumble and to fall. Like not just to like not you're not just like sinning against them. You're not just it's not just it, this mean this passage is not saying but woe to the person who sins against their brother. It's not what he's saying. Like woe to the person who causes someone else's faith to be shipwrecked and to lose the faith and to walk away from following me. Right? That's what he means. Uh, be on your guard. If your brother sins, here, here he goes into that. Re what? Rebuke him. Rebuke him. And if he re re repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must what? Forgive him. Overlook the offense. That's what repentance is. is, is, is forgiveness is, is, that, is, is a way of overlooking that offense like we talked about in Proverbs. It says, whoever conceals an offense promotes what? Love. Love covers all offenses. Hatred stirs up the, con the, the conflicts, but love covers all offenses. It is forgiveness. It is, it is, but, it was, it, the, but it does not, it does not alleviate the need for restitution and reconciliation and what? Justice. To fight for reconciliation, to rebuke the person who wronged you, who sinned against you, while, here's the crazy thing, Rebuking them with the spirit of forgiveness. And what is that spirit of forgiveness? It is what? Love. Love is what covers all offensive offenses. So how can you love the person who sins against you? Not just by not being offended, but you love them and you're not offended because you have this, this spirit, this, this mindset, this view of them, this perspective, this perception of them of looking at them and, God, and the love of Christ. And it draws that reconciliation. It draws that relationship in. Versus what? Hatred. What? Stirs up conflicts. So what is the best way to forgive? What is the best way to not become bitter? What is the best way to reconcile relationships? Especially when you are sinned against? love thinking about them not turning the attention inward but turning the attention outward considering them more important than yourself so how can you bless them what is god's you know put the lenses of, of jesus over your eyes how would jesus look at that person and say i want you to be better i want you to grow in this i want to help shape your life because that also will will transform our thinking from non-conflict, because I, I will be one to say that like, I'm not one who emotionally appreciates conflict, but when we look at it, conflict through this lens, we look at conflict as an opportunity to love and to see God's reconciliation, restitution, restoration, forgiveness and, you know, at play, and to see people encounter the love of God through how we love them. Um, so, um, so, how, so how do we not be a Karen? <laughs> love. How do we not be a Richard? Love. Consider them more important, and, and and when you look and see them as more important, who are they being? Who are they more important to? First and foremost, they are more important to Jesus. They, you know, Jesus views them as as important, as wanted, as loved, and Jesus wants to show that person that they are loved. And so how can you be the tool by which God shows someone else that they are loved while experiencing God's love? So that's the thing, like experience God's presence. 
Go and spend time with him and devotion with him. Open up the word. Open up you know, your, your, your time with him and say, God, I'm struggling. Help me to help, you know, help me in my unbelief, right? You know, help me to forgive. Help me to love. You know, first and foremost, before you forgive, ask God to, to help you, show you, help you, empower you to love the way that he loves, with his love, to love that person so that anything, any interaction that you have with that person is coming from that angle, from that direction, from that heart of love. Um, and so, uh, be a Jesus. Don't be a Richard. <laughs> Just kidding. So, be a Jesus. Be someone, you'll look at someone who, look at others the way that Jesus loves them. And also look at yourself in the mirror. And remember God's love for you. Um, so, hello guys. Hope this has been encouraging for you guys. So, um, let me know if you uh, would like to talk more about this. I'd love to bring you here and have a sit down, have a cup of coffee. Blessings to you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.